0: Welcome to Making the Grade. I'm your host, Cindy Putman, and I look forward to each week having conversations with some brilliant minds as we explore the importance of understanding the why behind so many things that are going on in our world today. When we as individuals, parents, caregivers, educators, and members of the human race can understand the why and not sometimes so much the how, I think it helps us understand what our role is in the world around us. We're going to explore practical ways to help children Children and youth and middle schoolers and young adults as we grow through what we're going to be talking about today. And actually we're going to find ways that we can help those who we love grow and flourish. And today I'm joined by Bill Gibson and we are going to explore everything that we've ever wanted to know about power of Putnam. Now I have to really work, Bill, on saying that because my last name is Putman. So to say power of Putnam is, is a little stretch for me. Well,
1: I have to be careful too, Cindy, that I don't skew your name.
0: Oh, that's perfectly <laughs> fine. Because, you know, as you and I both have grown up here in Putnam County, most people pronounce it Putman. Yeah. And when they meet me, they're like, Oh, you, the county's named after <laughs> you. And then I'm like, No, but you guys have been saying it wrong. We all have all this time. So tell me a little bit about or I'll actually a whole lot about Power of Putnam.
1: Well, Power of Putnam is the Substance Misuse Prevention Coalition that serves Putnam County. Uh, We've been around since 2003, and we have grown and and evolved to keep up with or hopefully try to keep ahead of an ever-changing landscape of substance abuse and addiction. Our role is to do everything that we can to reduce substance abuse or, as we call it nowadays, substance misuse mm-hmm. um, and to uh, to to turn back the effects of addiction and mi- mitigate the effects of addiction to the best extent we can.
0: So when we talk about substance misuse, what substances are we actually talking about? Well,
1: it's any substance um, that when misused can cause cause harm and damage so substances can be you know substances themselves can have good uses. um you know medications um used correctly correctly are very beneficial but when they're misused then they become they get in to a situation of being dangerous and, and leading to much bigger problems. So, so we could
0: be talking about prescription medications that are misused. We could be talking about any other form of drugs. It could be street drugs, uh, alcohol, um, vaping, anything that – I don't want to c- really say anything that's illegal because, like you said, there are so many great medicines on the market that heal our bodies today. Sure. But when those are used incorrectly, it can damage – and misuse is a, is a bigger term because, like to your
1: point, alcohol, you know, in and of itself is not illegal. It's it's not um, something that, and if it's not misused, and when we say misused in this context, it's used by somebody under twenty one. You know, that's that makes it illegal to use and and more dangerous. And so, um, misuse is just the the misuse of any substance what,
0: did the drinking age used to be 17 and then it changed to 21 it
1: it went uh it was 21 it went to 18 and then went back to 21 and what had happened um tennessee dropped it to 18 for some reason and there was going to be a big loss of federal highway money because the federal government um felt like the 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 alcohol age should be 21 and there was going to be a loss of highway money and Tennessee raised it back up
0: Up to 21 well Mm -hmm. I definitely think it should be 21 it should be 21
1: one thing um while we're at at that juncture um one reason that it's 21 is the effect that persistent use of alcohol has on the developing brain and the more alcohol you know that that's applied before age 25 actually mm-hmm. before the the frontal lobe becomes fully right. developed um, the more likelihood a person is to struggle with lifelong addiction issues.
0: And if you're listening and you're interested about that brain development, just go back and look on Making the Grade at the show of, that I did on brain development because so many times I don't think we realize, like you said, Bill, that decision-making process, that place in our brain, that frontal lobe, doesn't really fully develop until we're 25 years old.
1: 25 years old, and they, they've done all this research on it, and you know they've studied if, you know if a fourteen year old or fifteen year old drinks every so often there the exponential increase in their likelihood of having addiction, and then they say also if if no alcohol you know was used until age twenty five that there would be very little chance for addiction.
0: Isn't that interesting, though, because we know, and I mean, you have the book that I'm so thankful that you have with you today because it has such current data in and about our Upper Cumberland, about the Putnam County Schools, about all that information that we would want to share with our listeners. But I'd always heard that the sooner you started doing something and you started building those Habits; those obviously in that case bad habits, the harder it is to break. And that's because that brain is developing. And when it gets used to whatever that substance is, it's very difficult to let go of that substance. Absolutely. And have you also heard that people, and this might be an old wives' tale, but that people sometimes get stunted at that particular age if they start drinking or misusing drugs at a certain age? Well,
1: it's not an old wives' tale because the research also shows that the application of um, alcohol and other substances does delay the development of the brain. Mm-hmm.
0: And of course, I grew up here in Putnam County and I can remember being in high school, and that was in the latter part of the 70s. But um, we actually, Bill had a smoking pole at our high school and you could go out and you could go across the street if you had permission from your parents and you went to the smoking pole and it's actually and as as you're laughing about that but it's in the uh area where the ymca is now across from avery trace because that was cookville high school at the time
1: i absolutely remember it and i also remember uh you, the permission from your parents wasn't all that essential that you could pretty much go, come and go over there, and a lot of times there would be a joint going around over right.
0: there. Right, and that's what I was going to say. The two biggest things I remember is people smoking pot and people smoking cigarettes. But there are so many more things that kids are exposed to now than I think there was when we were growing up, and that's really frightening. It is frightening, and one of the
1: most harmful developments was, you know, has been the vape. The, the the vape delivery systems that started out with tobacco, but now literally uh, any any drug can be delivered through a vape, and the vape is much more uh, hard to detect. It's much more concealable and and much more dangerous because there's nobody knows really what's in them
0: well and the interesting thing about it and i know you can speak more about this but they were telling us at a meeting that you and i were at a couple of weeks ago at the upper Cumberland development district there was a representative from one of the outlying counties that said in their school system in their middle schools they were having the biggest problem with kids vaping and bringing illegal substances or I guess whatever it is, the THC or whatever is in that, you'll have to en- enlighten me on that. But that they can bring them in in things that look like an ink pen. So you wouldn't even know. Or in sometimes the hood of their hoodie, it has like a little thing there. I mean, that's just amazing to me.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mar- products on the market um, that are just designed to help kids conceal substance use.
0: And so how do they get those?
1: Well, um, Amazon.com. Oh, okay. So they just can order them. Or a lot of the shops. um, You know, a lot of the the, um, shops have those things.
0: But Uh, aren't there guidelines about who can go into a shop and buy a vape?
1: There are guidelines. uh, you, You have to be 21 to legally purchase a vape.
0: But just like when we were in school, uh, if you knew somebody that was a little bit older, then they could get it for you, and they could pass it on to you.
1: Right. There's just all sorts of – and that's one thing at Power Putnam. We, um, we we're we data-driven, and we do a student survey every other year for the 8th, 10th, and 12th graders, and we gather a lot of information. And some of that information has to do with access points, um,
0: and, and so what did the students say about their access points? So there's
1: um, there's several, um, and, and it's different access points, of course, for different substances, but um, at a party uh, bought for you by an older peer or bought for you by an older relative, taken from your parents without permission.
0: Liquor cabinet or... Taken from
1: your parents with permission. Medicine because, cabinet. And medicine cabinets. Um, there's one we call retail access, which is, you know, buying it from an establishment that is licensed to sell it, uh, either with a fake ID or knowing places that are not good about checking identification. And um, there's just a, there's a whole list, and we, we try to address all of them.
0: I think it's interesting, and it made me very sad when you said taken from your parents without their knowledge, but taken from their parents with their parents' permission.
1: Right? There's a there's been a you know an ideology that um, drinking alcohol is right of passage, and we may have kind of experienced that growing up. And um, s- some parents believe you know if a child is going to drink, get home, and they can monitor it. And, and maybe even you know host a graduation party in the name of keeping the kids off the road you know where they won't get hurt in a in a crash so that that does happen quite a bit
0: well i think it's interesting when you said that when we were growing up I remember that the reason that you weren't supposed to drink is because if you were going to drink and drive, it would increase your chances of being in a car accident. Nobody ever talked to us about the impact that alcohol has on the developing of child or teenager or young adult's brain.
1: We didn't. We didn't know that till. Just fairly recently,
0: and now it, it's really—I think—that's kind of in the forefront of what people talk about. It
1: is. We want to avoid any kind of tragedy, obviously, and we have had yes. those here. We've had tragic situations where kids have been hurt and, and killed in car crashes involving alcohol. We obviously, the whole community wants to avoid that. But but a ongoing, larger, you know, more massive problem is that. Um, you know the constant use of alcohol at an early age is as we said fueling future
0: addiction and let's talk about that future addiction. How hard is it for someone who's addicted to something to get clean well it's
1: um it's there's a whole range i mean it goes all over the place, but start out with the concept that it's that it's difficult and it's become more difficult as the um the landscape of substances has developed. Um, I'm thinking in the 60s we had marijuana, 70s, cocaine came along, and then we know cocaine transitioned into crack cocaine, Mm -hmm. which, you know, with every transition like that, coming back from addiction gets harder because the substances are more powerful and harder to break. And then... That went to methamphetamine, which amped up the, no pun intended, mm-hmm. but it amped up the um, the uh, level of addiction and the relapse rates.
0: And what about opioids? Where do we where do opioids fit into that?
1: So what happened, you know, is this methamphetamine kind of began to war on, wear on around the turn around the you know late nineteen nineties, early two thousands. Uh, the opioids came on the market in mass quantities nationwide as um, treatments for pain there was a lot of propaganda back at the time um, that they were safe they were non-addictive that you know nobody should have to suffer pain and the medical community bought into it and so many people uh, got addicted to opioids simply by following doctor's orders or we used to have a in the early days, we had a program called Take Only as Prescribed, and so um, that was not good advice <laughs> because right. taking as prescribed was not was not an effective way to do it.
0: And I think we forget about some of the things that have been on the market that people could get addicted to. Um, I have a beloved family member. That um, is in the latter years of her life, but she had a strong addiction to diet pills because you could buy diet pills, you know, over the counter at the drugstore and Dexatron. Well, I shouldn't. I'm not saying that that was one, but, you know, any of those that somebody wanted to buy. And then it became a real issue for her with those diet pills. And I guess that's just like a little like blue and clear is a little bit of, you know, speed or whatever it was. But the opioids, I think we would be shocked. In our community, if we knew the number of people that suffer in silence because they're addicted to opioids that their doctor gave to them, and they are functioning every day and working and those kinds of things, but they don't know how to get off that addiction wheel.
1: Off, and I've referred to it as a treadmill. It's it's something that we we call inadvertent addiction, and it's much more insidious. With methamphetamine or cocaine, people had to make a decision. They knew they were going to use an illegal substance, and they knew it was illegal because it was dangerous, hopefully. And there was information out there, you know, if you're taking a risk if you do this. Uh, So many people have gotten addicted before anybody understood the the truth about opioids um, because they had a, a back surgery or even a tooth extraction um and and again there's studies that really show not very many days of use of opioids before a dependent a physical dependence starts and a
0: likelihood of continued use and that's really frightening that's really frightening to think that you could take something that you thought you were supposed to take because it was because we trust doctors and we trust what our doctor says about you need this to heal or you need this to get better and then before you know it you're addicted and then you don't know what to do yes
1: and and not criticizing the medical profession as a whole because everybody kind of bought in, bought into it. And so to your point, once this um, happens, you have bank presidents, you have school teachers, pastors of churches, a lot of times police officers, public service workers that are on this wheel or this treadmill that, that is continuing to speed up and they don't know how to reach out for help. Because it feels like it's gonna, it's gonna ruin their lives if they reveal the fact, or if they identify the fact that they're struggling with. So the they addiction.
0: suffer in silence. They don't want to tell anybody what's really going on. So if if somebody's listening today that they're in that situation or they have a loved one, where is it in this county that they can get some help?
1: Well, there's lots of places, and um, in it, in it's contingent on on the person's. Uh, addiction what they're addicted to and how long but there's there's a lot of opportunities they can reach us at power putnam we can we can make you know we can guide them uh make referrals there is a red line number Mm -hmm. the, the tennessee red line and it's a referral number that anybody can call at any time
0: and you know the the strange thing about that is that i think people are sometimes so bill afraid to say that I have this kind of problem because there's such a stigma attached to it. And we think of a drug addict as someone, you know, that's, I don't know what, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to be judgmental, but we think of a drug addict as somebody that we don't really know, that somebody, you know, that's living on the streets maybe and all these kinds of things.
1: That's exactly right. But that, that has all changed. Um, when we do, when we do talks to public groups, a lot of times we'll ask for a show of hands. For anybody that has a loved one or somebody in some way close to them that is struggling with addiction, and every single hand normally goes up, everybody has somebody. Or and has sometimes somebody, it's
0: them. That's right. They, it's either them, they know somebody, or it's someone that they love and really care about. And again, it could be someone who is functioning, you know, having a functioning life, going to work following through with things that they're supposed to do, raising kids, whatever they're doing. But they are really suffering because of this.
1: I want to say this uh, while we're on this Tennessee red line, our referral number, it's something anybody can call. It's 1-800-662-4357, and that's, uh, that's the SAMHSA red line, and the Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. 9789. And that's confidential. uh, They'll find out a little bit about what's going on and and just give the person the name of three places that they can contact for help.
0: And that's so wonderful. So when you all – I know in our next 30 minutes we're going to talk more about this wonderful book that you have that has all this data and I call it wonderful because it's a place where you can collect the data from 8th 10th and 12th grade students and you know what kids are going to tell you the truth they're just going to tell you the truth and there's no names there's no you know things tied to this and i remember the first time i was at one of the meetings and mateo who's on your staff when they passed out those books i could not believe because some of those statistics in that book some of that data is heart-wrenching to me as an educator
1: it is and and one thing I definitely want us to talk about is uh, some of the mental health issues that a large large number of our kids are reporting
0: well and i want to we I was in a meeting today, and we talked about that exact thing that that there was a time in all of our lives when kids who were in young kids in elementary schools did not feel anxious or scared to go to school. But now with the um, school shootings that we've seen across our country and things like that, we have so many kids who are afraid to be away from their parents or who are afraid, you know, to be somewhere. And I know I'm taking a class right now. It's called Classroom 180 about trauma. And one of the things, and it was not in Putnam County, but they had videoed a teacher, and it was of younger kids, and they were talking about when they came to school, they don't want to sit by the door and they don't want to sit by the window. That they their parents had said to them the safest place was to sit was in the middle of the room because you could protect yourself better. And Bill, we didn't even think about that. We went to school thinking about if we were going to get to sit by our friend, our girlfriend, or boyfriend. You know, and who was going to we could sit by in the cafeteria? That never entered our minds. That's a Very good point. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the role that mental health plays, and how big do you think the role of mental health is in substance abuse? I mean, do you think mental health? comes first that they are struggling with something and they turn to a substance to just take the pain away or take the edge off
1: so the one thing we do know is that mental health issues and substance misuse issues um coexist almost all the time they the, the old question is which one came first you know did did somebody have a mental health issue that they wanted to, that they tried to self medicate Or did the use of the drugs lead to mental health issues? And it certainly goes both ways.
0: Do you have a personal opinion on that?
1: I don't. I I would say that, you know, it may be somewhere in the middle.
0: Well, I think there's a lot of unresolved trauma in a lot of people's lives that growing up that we didn't know it was trauma that someone probably told us, you know, just you can get over that or just go on or pretend like that never happened. And I think a lot of people that have unresolved trauma have turned to a substance abuse or bill overeating excessive amounts of food um shopping now that there's so much shopping online pornography i mean you know kids have cell phones they can access things that we could never have right. accessed. so there's so many different things that that can make that addiction kind of flare up in your life and it just seems like um especially in the south that we kind of put those in tears that this addiction is worse than this addiction is worse than this addiction but i'm so delighted that Bill Gibson is here from Power Putnam today because Bill has a heart to work with someone who has had an addiction or is in the midst of an addiction. And Power of Putnam, and you guys are located. And if you're a native Cookvillean, I ca- still call it the Darwin Mall, but that's not what it's called anymore. <laughs>
1: it's the West Town Center nowadays.
0: And y'all are upstairs, so well, someone can call your office. And what's the number at your office?
1: It's nine three one five two zero seven five three one. But also uh, our website, powerofputnam.org. And our Facebook page are, are great ways to get in contact with us, too.
0: And you all also have some monthly meetings that I know that I get to attend where you find out a lot of information. So there's a lot of ways that people can find out and get involved in supporting this cause. If I
1: don't say anything else, I got I want to be sure to invite everybody that's interested in this issue to come to, a, to check the website, come to a Power of Putnam meeting. It meets at the Cookville Police Department the first Thursday of every month at 11 o'clock. We have lunch and uh, a meeting, some kind of presentation or training, but the best part about it is you probably believe Cindy is the networking and uh, the group of like-minded people with coming from all different perspectives, coming together to attack this problem.
0: If you have an interest in what Bill and I talked about today, you want to make sure that you come back for the next podcast because Bill and I are going to take a deep breath, and we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to figure out and how we're going to move forward and talking about a lot of the things that we just barely touched the tip of on making the grade. I'm so glad you're here with us, and we will be here in a couple of weeks.